Welcome to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. Thanks for joining us today. We're really believing that you'll benefit from the message that you're about to hear. A big thank you to those of you who share our podcast on social media. And thanks for rating and reviewing us on iTunes. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au. Awesome privilege to be here and sharing with you this morning. And um, for those of you who don't know me too well or don't recognize me, I'm not wearing my blue shirt, so you probably don't recognize me. I... um, I've been a school teacher for 17 years. Um, I've travelled lots. I travelled and taught overseas for three years. Um, I love I love kids. It's what I do. Um, but my passion is actually a bit more than that, just um, teaching kids. I've got a passion to see kids, um, not just with a head knowledge of Jesus, but a, a heart relationship. And like Gary was talking about, to be able to find their identity and purpose in God. So that's what I'm passionate about. So when you see me on a Sunday, if you can catch me, because I'm generally running around, I'm trying to catch you to talk about your kids. Most of my conversations are either about your kids or my kids or what's happened upstairs, because it's what I'm passionate about. So I apologise if you don't want to talk about your kids, but that's what I do. <laughs> um, it's a huge responsibility, and and um, you know I do feel it's the the calling that God's placed on my life. Um, but it's a huge responsibility. I'm also, as well as a teacher and a kids leader, and I've been doing this at River's Edge for over 14 years. Um, I'm also a parent, and I've got two young boys, a three-year-old and a five-year-old. So this week was a big emotional week um, for me, the, uh, my oldest starting school, and um, he has the privilege of attending a Christian school, um, and that was really awesome. But, you know, I, I bring him to church. He's going to a Christian school, but it's not just that that's going to see him um, find his identity in Christ. I, as a parent, um, need to take that responsibility. And uh, there's a, a study done by the Barney Institute that found close to 9 out of 10 parents under the age of 13, so about 85% believe that they have the primary responsibility for teaching their children about um, spiritual matters. And we can all agree on that, I'm sure. But only about 20% of those parents who regularly attended church with their kids actually read the Bible or prayed together each day. So that's massive. We can believe and know what we're supposed to do, but do we actually do it? And so I'm going to try and encourage you today with some ways and some um, scriptures on how you might be able to do that or make it a bit more um, of a daily practice in your life. Okay, so how much time do we actually have to influence our kids in a year? Um, oh, yeah, here we go. And I apologise for the graphics. I'm a school teacher, so there'll be some nice clip art in there. Um, yeah, this math speaks for itself. So you may feel you don't have much time with your kids, and this doesn't take into account activities, of course, but we have just under 3,000 hours a year with our kids. We send them to kids' church for about 40 hours a year. So that's just reinforcing the fact that we do have a massive responsibility um, to talk to them about spiritual matters at home and not just leave it to the Sunday kids' church. Okay. Um, all right, let's have a look at the next verse. Oh, sorry, yep. Um, so this is really scary, but, you know, God gives families ways of faithfully passing on the story of God to their children. This can be through teaching, testimony, 
traditions. And at the end, I'll give you uh, a few tools in, on ways practically that you can um, do this with your family. Okay, so our first one, teaching. Okay, you know this verse well, Proverbs 22, 6. Train a child up in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that verse, as a kid's leader, has always put a lot of pressure on me because I'm like, I only see them one hour a week and this week, we didn't even pray this week upstairs. We got so busy. Did I even tell the story correctly? But when you dig into this verse a bit deeper, it's actually got a bit of a different meaning. That word train up is, um, the word is a Hebrew word, hanak, which means to dedicate. Okay, so what we're doing is we're dedicating our children and in the Hebrew, that doesn't even, the phrase sh should go, the word should isn't even there. It's actually um, dedicate in the way, in his way. So what that means is that God's actually already placed the way in our kids. Our job as parents is to call that out um, and to, yeah, so that's why when, when we have kids, we actually dedicate them as babies. This verse is a good example of that, is that we're actually saying, God, they're my kids, you love them more, they're yours. And it's actually a public declaration when we dedicate our kids in church. So if you haven't had the opportunity to do that, you're welcome to speak to one of us about dedicating your, your little ones because it's, it's a great way to actually mark the moment in when you're committing their way to the Lord. And you can do that in lots of ways as well. Okay. Um, yeah, next verse. So testimony, I spoke about this at the beginning of last year a little bit. Um, but if we have a look at this verse, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be in your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home or when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them to the door frames of your houses and onto your gates. Okay, there's a lot in this verse, but um, in this verse, parents are instructed to tell God's story to their children all the time. Take every opportunity in your daily lives to retell the goodness of God. And I grew up in a Christian home, and I had a great example of this. You know, like, we have a car accident. This is a made-up one. Have a car accident, and my dad would say, bless the Lord. And we'd be like, What? And he'd go, well, no one was hurt. Or, you know, like he'd lose something. He'd lose all his, some money. Oh, bless the Lord that it was given back. Or, you know, like frustratingly to the point where, well, like how can you be, attribute that to God? But I grew up in a house of everything was attributed to God. We, um, we did thank God for everything. And we knew that God provided our jobs, our schools, our friends, all of those things. Um, yeah, and God's reinforcing the fact that as parents, we're in the best position um, to communicate the things of faith to our children because we know them. Um, we're there with them the most. Um, also, we all have a testimony. You might um, have grown up in a Christian home and, and your testimony might be very different to, say, Luke's who became a Christian when he was 16 and had this big moment. But everyone has a testimony and it's... Um, we need to concentrate on what God has given us and not worry that our story isn't as powerful or different to other people. It's 
God can use the words um, to really speak to your children. And verse 7 makes it very plain. Talk to your kids in the everyday happenings of life and often. Now, when we learn something new, um, this is a teacher thing, you always try and relate it to something that the kids already know. Um, and then that way the learning's retained. It's just what teachers do. So you'll tell things in stories and narrative and, and, um, and it's the same with our kids. You know, upstairs in kids' church, we might be teaching a new concept and we're talking about hearing from God. Have you ever heard from God? And there was blank faces. And then you give them a couple of seconds and then the hands start going up. Oh, my mum told me that when she was little and huddled in a corner and really sad, God spoke to her and said, he sees her. I'm blown away. Then the next one starts, and the next one starts. So don't discount those, those conversations you have with your kids and how important they are because when they can hear God talks to me, he might not have spoken to me yet, but he talked to my mom or he talked to my dad. So it, it, that understanding is really ingrained in their hearts. Um, so don't discount that. And, you know, kids and opportunities change. Obviously, my kids are young. They're at the age where up to five years old, it's called the phase of wonder. So they're impressed by everything God can do. We talk about Goliath every single day. Mum, do you think Goliath could bend metal? Or like, it's conversations, it's almost magical. And it's a wonderful phase. I love talking about it. Um, because we just, everything's related to these Bible characters. And then, but then it changes. And, um, and my oldest one is coming into the, the next phase, which is they're becoming, you know, they go to school, they see more, they, they're becoming aware of fear and death and things like those big things. And you can have a tendency to just say, oh, God will protect you or, or, or um, let's pray to God. But, you know, what happens when God doesn't uh, answer their prayers? So my son has nightmares, like most kids do, and we prayed three nights in a row and three nights in a row he had nightmares. He goes, Mum, I'm not praying anymore. God's not answering that question. That, he can't do that one. And then I said, he goes, I said, well, I just wanted to, you know, move on to the next thing. But I said, well, you know, God actually doesn't answer all our prayers. And they're like, what? And I said, sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. But, you know, when he says no, he says, I'll help you through it. He doesn't just say no and leave us alone. He goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, I think God's helping us to understand that maybe we shouldn't watch any scary movies or video games that have violence in them, because those things go in our head and make us have nightmares. And he's like, oh, so it's not God's fault? And I said, well, anyway, so, you know, just a funny example of how you can just get in there and teach in those moments. And, um, and, and it does change, There's, you know, as you, go, uh, as you go through. Okay, next one, we'll have a look at traditions. So... In my family, a tradition we have is uh, painting um, plaster moulds. Every time we're at our holiday house, we go along to the markets and buy these and we paint them. And this is just two examples. They're, they're beautiful, aren't they? they um, we leave them at the holiday house because we don't have room to bring them home. But now there's about 30 on the mantelpiece, so much so that my mum went up and hid them all in the cupboards and gave them special shelves in cupboards. Um, but that's a tradition and it's just something that they love and we do it together. Um, that's just a funny one, but, you know, traditions in, in your family can be daily things. It can be um, daily rituals like praying before bed, 
um, reading the Bible together. It can be family game nights, uh, game time after dinner. It could be weekly things that you do. A tradition might be you have pancakes on a Saturday morning or a bike ride or coming to church, hopefully, is one that you do in your family each week. And then there are the big ones, like the first day of school photos or special holidays and things like that. Um, but you know that you might have some intentions in your family of traditions or rituals. And unless your kids know what they are, then, then they're not really traditions. So for example, in my house, I would love to say family, night, uh, um, family time after dinner every night. But in reality, I don't think we've done it once this month because it's been so crazy, right? So in my head, I'm like, we spend so much time together as a family connecting, but we don't. Right? My kids wouldn't say we did. They wouldn't say we did. So, and that's like with everything. Do We might have the intentions, but if it's not impressed on our kids, if it's not actually done, then it's not a tradition. And we have to keep things in, um, in perspective. You know, like, I'll use the example of brushing your teeth. Your kids do not... Oh, actually, I'll I, I start again. They love brushing their teeth. And then they hate brushing their teeth. And I'm sure that goes on for a lot longer than my kids. But every night we battle for the brushing of the teeth. And it's easy to just say no. And, you know, sometimes we do. But the reason why is because I know what the end product is, right? So you battle through because you know the greater purpose of what you're doing. And that's with the traditions that you're setting up with in, in regards to spiritual matter, matters. You know, as best you can, you set them up because you want your kids in this place. Now, let's look at the next slide. So in Exodus, Exodus 12, it says, This is the day you are to commemorate for the generations to come, and you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them. It's the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. So we have traditions in our church that you might not talk to your kids about communion, the, the preaching, the different parts that as a church we have that we, we're instructed to continue to do with our kids. Um, and we just, traditions create um, a sense of predictability and actually create safety um, in our families. So what are some of the traditions that you have in your family? Where's God in your family life? It's kind of like the um, relay race I had at the beginning slide. Um, our job as parents is to pass on the baton of faith to the next generation so that they can pass it on to their kids. But traditions shift and they adapt over time. We need to reassess them and not lose sight of what we're hoping to achieve. Um, we all know, most of us know, the primary responsibility is ours. So why don't so many engage in spiritual development with their kids? And I was reading lots of research um, why. You know, sometimes they, sometimes people feel that it's somebody else's job. Like, I, all I went to was Sunday school and I turned out all right, so I'll just leave it to kids' church. They can bring my, um, teach my kids about God. Or maybe they don't have 
the spiritual maturity to teach their kids or don't feel like they have. Might feel like, well, what if they ask me that question? I won't know the answer. Or I don't really trust God today. How can I tell my kids to trust God? Don't, my advice for that is don't overcomplicate it. Yeah, kids see us on our good days and our bad days. Teaching the moment. We've been having um, a lot of anger issues this week in our house. Very tired and first week of school. And uh, Judah went to sleep the other night and he was so angry. And, you know, when I was brought up um, weenie, with the Bible verse, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And so that really hurt me this week. I was lying in bed and going, God, I don't want him to fall asleep sad. And anyway, so in the morning when he was all calm, I spoke to him and I said, oh, look, buddy, I was really sad last night when you went to sleep because, you know, in the Bible it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And he stops and he goes, show me where it says that. Anyway, so I had to get out, not my phone, my Bible, and find it. And he's like, show me, he can't read. But I read the verse and I said, don't let the sun go down your anger. And then he's like, why like this and, I, and then it says um so then you you don't sin or something he goes ah oh. so I didn't say anything he just goes so the sinning part is when I say I hate you and you know all the other things he does and I said I said yeah I said so that's why we need to stop and forgive and anyway it was just a little teaching moment there that um it's okay to not know the answer <laughs> Sometimes you've had something in your head your whole life and you're like, why do I actually say that? Or why do I think that? You know, um, your kids will question you about it, that's for sure. And, you know, I'm going to move on to the next part, which is the different um, tools that we have. So as part of our church, we've got a whole community here that can help you. We've got youth leaders and kids leaders and pastors and parents who've been through it all. You know, we want to help you um, in this and... um, Later in the year, we're going to be doing a marriage course. You know, maybe you need to get on the same page with your um, partner with some things or we're going to hopefully offer a parenting course as well to help you along this journey. Okay, so I saw this done last year and this is not meant to upset anybody. Um, There's a church in America who... Um, when they have a ba- when someone has a baby and they come to dedicate them, they actually give them a jar filled with marbles. So in here is 936 marbles. It's um, to represent every week that you have with your child from when they're born to when they turn 18, so become adults. And they do this and they suggest to make sure you make use of your time. Um, every week, take out a marble and unpack your week with your kids say what something you did great this week, what was hard this week, what are you hopeful for, what are you looking forward to, five minutes, but that way of keeping track of um, your family together. And it looks like a lot, right? 936 marbles in here from zero to 17, uh, 18. But, you know, time goes quick. So let's see if I can do this properly. There we go. So when your child's about, mm, maybe a few more than that. So by the time they're nine, this is how much time we have left with our kids, okay? Goes fast, doesn't it? When you're thinking about it, especially if you've got a nine-year-old or older, and then some more time goes fast. Here we go. You've got a 17-year-old. 
Okay? Now, this isn't meant to depress you by any means. What I want you to, to, to um, point out is that when you see how much time you've got left, you tend to be more intentional about the time that you do have. Right? And I, I saw this done six months ago, and I haven't started a marble jar in my family, um, although my boys try to get it a lot. Um, but what it's done for me is make use of those moments. You know, when I feel a bit tired or a bit like I couldn't be bothered, this, is, this comes to my mind and I'm like, oh, actually, I haven't spoken to them this week and, and, and I have that conversation. So by all means, if that's something you'd like to do in your home and keep up there on the mantle piece to remind you that time, we need to be intentional with our time, with our kids. Um, Okay, so a few tools that might help you that um, I'll go through them. The first one um, is this website, justaphase.com, and that has a whole bunch of resources. It, it's part of the phase project which um, these guides are included, and it's a synthesis of personal experience, academic research, and gatherings of leaders and educational experts from across the ch child development spectrum. The guides are designed to help you parent your child through every year. So, you know, just as you get to understand your baby, they turn one and then they change. And then just as you get to understand your one-year-old, they turn two and they change. Uh, and I'm just talking about physically, but this, um, this project um, has resources for every year right up to 18. So wouldn't it be good if you could already see what are going to be some important things the following year and it also gives you some questions and um, yeah discussion questions that you can have with your kids um, you know to keep them on track and and you know like I said before you um, your your kids change um, so much over time anyway I'll move on I just looked at the time next one um, oh, and sorry this is how the phase project goes it goes from birth right up to 18 and it talks about how they go through wonder and discovery right up to fueling their passion so it's a great resource um, the next one is that I use with my kids is the Bible app for kids I'm sure you've seen this one I love this one because it's got the, the um, stories it's got activities really engaging for up to seven-year-olds it's also got a, a map of um, the order that the Bible stories happen in so it's really handy when you're so when you're wondering when that story actually happened in the Bible. Okay, and for a bit older kids, the next one, thanks, Pieta, the kids' Bible experience. So on the Version Bible app, if you scroll down on the home screen, for 7 to 11-year-olds is this kids' Bible experience. It's got a devotion there. It's also got some questions that you can discuss with your kids. Um, Judah quite likes that. He's only turning six, but he quite likes that one as well. He feels like he's a bit bigger. And then... Uh, the next one here is the Parent Q app, which I have, and I put in my kids' birthdays, and it gives me prompt questions that I can discuss with them um, while we're driving, bath time, dinner time, as well as a, um, a little devotion there. And that one goes right up to 18 years old, so obviously your 18-year-old, your teenager's not going to sit down with you and do a devotion with you, but it points out some devotions that they can some Bible studies that they can look at on the, um, the YouVersion app that might be appropriate for them. Had to look through all of those ones. Okay, so that's me, and sorry I've gone over time, but I just wanted to say one uh, thing, is that you might be sitting there and you might be a parent who has done all this. You understand this, and you're saying, Libby, you've got no idea what's coming up when you've got teenagers, when you've got young adults. And what I want to say to that is, 
like the words of that song this morning, that God's faithful through all generations. He hasn't failed, he won't, and he's not finished yet. Right, so I just want to speak that over your lives and your children's lives for those ones that might not be following the Lord at the moment. He's not done yet. He's not going to fail. Amen. Thank you for listening to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au.